see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And welcome back to Under Review. I'm Greg. He's Steve. And here we are post-NHL draft. The Rangers drafted on Friday and Saturday. And Steve has been uh, awesome enough to actually fly from Europe to Vancouver and actually go to the draft, which is, I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate fan. Steve is the ultimate fan, to be completely honest with you guys. So, Steve, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing great. It's I'm I'm, I'm exhausted to be honest. Um, spent 14 hours on a plane on Friday. Woke up at four in the morning um, to to you know make it to the airport on time. Um, I landed in in Vancouver with about six hours to spare between landing and the draft starting on Friday. Uh, so it was a bit hectic, but you know in the end, <clears throat> it's definitely it was definitely worth it. Um, just being here in Vancouver for the weekend, um, going to the draft, the second year in a row. I was in Dallas last year. Um, yeah, it was just it was it was a great experience. Uh, I got to meet a lot of people this weekend. Um, some of my followers on Twitter were just you know I'm, I'm walking through the arena and all of a sudden this guy stops me and says, "Can I take a picture with you?" I'm like, "Yeah, okay." It's a bit weird, but okay. And he's like, yeah, I've been following you on Twitter for like two years now. And and I recognized the TPS jersey, so I knew it was you. Uh, <laughs> so I felt a little bit... That's absolutely insane. I felt a little bit like a celebrity myself this weekend. Um, yeah, like all we are is fans. And it's just like, that's just crazy. I can, I just can't, I, I'm, I'm just a fan like anyone else. I just, you know, maybe put a little bit more effort into it. I don't know, but... I still consider myself just a fan. Um, but yeah, day one, day one was was amazing. We got to the arena, uh, went in, and we were just walking back and forth, and we saw a lot of prospects just, you know, hanging out with their agents and with their families in the um, in the concourse where the where all the um, stands are. You know, the, um, what do you call it? Yeah. The concessions. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I saw Kirby Dark and 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 uh, Alex Turcott and Dylan Cousins and Vasily Podkolzin. Uh, Patrick Pristola, I recognized. Uh, he was pretty shocked by that because he's not he's not like a a, a real first round talent. Um, so probably not a lot of people would recognize him. Right. Yeah, it was it was it was fun to see all those familiar faces in such a weird setting because they're all wearing a suit and and just to see them so up close it's yeah it's a fun experience and and they're all very friendly they take their time to hand out you know to pose for photos or or sign stuff for fans and we were just waiting and um all of a sudden this camera crew <clears throat> approaches us and there's this tall blonde kid right in the middle and i immediately knew it was kako um, so I had a sign with me, of course, what I, that's what I usually do. And before I can take out the sign, he looks at me, he points at me. He's like, Hey, I remember you from the, from the Czech Republic last month. And, um, 
I was just standing there like, okay, this is pretty cool. Um, this is, that's fucking crazy. The fact that he re- he recognizes me that was that was that was fun. Um, <clears throat> so I post for a photo with him and ask him some questions and ask him how he was and if he was nervous. He was nervous as hell, man. He was he was like understandably, you know, excited. Uh, didn't know what was gonna happen, but uh, yeah, he was pretty happy. And and then while we were posing for a photo with my sign, he takes out his phone, gives it to his agent, and asks his agent to take a picture as well. Um, <laughs> this is fucking crazy. <laughs> so somehow I'm I'm part of Capo Caco's private photo album now. So, um, and then this morning I wake up. And I have people on Facebook, my Facebook friends from Finland are, are tagging me in, in newspaper articles from Finland about me. So it's, yeah, I mean, the, the whole, the whole Kako experience was great, but it and was obviously this is before the draft. This is actually it was, this was before he was drafted. So I was, I was nervous too. Not, not because of you know meeting Kako because I've met him before. I was so nervous because I was wearing my TPS jersey. I'm a Rangers fan, and I posed with him for a photo. But when we got closer to the start of the draft, I got more nervous that New Jersey might take Kako. You know, for weeks I've been I've been saying to, I've been saying to people, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But the closer we got, the more nervous I got that it might happen. So the the the, the most relieved well i was the most relieved when when new jersey announced the jack Hughes selection because after that it was done after that there was no question yeah uh, I, I would think so yeah uh but yeah i just you know meeting him before the draft was fun and um yeah just like a whole oh, a great experience but it wasn't even the best experience of the weekend but i'll, I'll get to that later yeah, yeah 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 so so let's so let's get into that so actually um, in terms of the, the, you know, day one. So day one, um, New Jersey selects, uh, Jack Hughes, no surprise, no surprise to anybody. Rangers go up there with, you know, literally some big dick energy and swag and just say, fuck it. We're, we're taking capital cackle. You know who we're taking. And that's that matter of fact, there was so much, it, it was such a foregone conclusion that Rangers Twitter that when the Rangers were on the clock, they actually tweeted out, we're on the clock, and they spelled clock with a K. <laughs> we are on the K. Yeah, we are on the K-L-O-C-K. Hmm. So I was like, or I think, or they might even use three Ks. I don't even know. I can't remember. But they used Ks for clock. So I'm like, okay. yeah, it's just like, why would you do that unless like it was just such a, such a foregone conclusion? So all the naysayers out there who thought the Rangers were going to do something completely asinine at number two, go fuck yourself because they didn't. The, the only people, reason people the only reason people think that way is because the Rangers have reached in the past, but never in a position they were in this weekend. No, and I and I and I wanted to reiterate this to to to, and there's a I don't know what it is, but even leading up till the draft day, there were tons, and I kid you not, tons of Ranger fans who really thought the Rangers were going to do something different at two. They were going to think outside the box. They were going to try to outsmart themselves. There were there were don't get it twisted. There are Ranger fans that really thought this, and my my thinking was sure at five 
six. Could they could they think of, you know, I mean, when the playing field is wide open, maybe. But mm. when there's a draft and there's a couple guys at the top that are consensus picks, they are consensus picks for a reason. So um, sometimes that's three players. Sometimes that's one. Sometimes that's two, like we saw this year. Sometimes that's four. I've seen that before. Like, you know, there's four guys at the top, not sure what order they're going to go in, but they usually do. But after that is when the playing field usually gets open. There's usually like a tier of guys at the top that people consider premium quality, you know, uh, elite talent. And then after that, there's like a drop off of question marks and not sure and it's going to take time to develop kind of kids. So it's no surprise that the Rangers did the right thing, did the, you know, prudent thing and took Capo Caco. And we all knew this. There was no getting around it. So they did the right thing. Um, Having said that, um, I have to admit, you know, I, I like Jack Hughes a lot, and now I got to hate the kid. And that's a little weird for me because I really like the kid. So now I got to, you know, get up my um, my my anger towards towards him. And let's just pivot this real quick to a day two thing, real quick before we, we turn turn to this. Another guy I'm going to start to dislike now, who I really like, is P.K. Subban. So um, you heard about the P.K. Subban trade on day two. The uh, New Jersey Devils made a trade with the Nashville Predators for P.K. Subban. Um, and it was, I mean, it is what it was. I mean, the you know Nashville uh, basically dumped salary because they're looking to go sign. It looks like they're trying to sign Matt Duchesne. Uh, what are your thoughts on the trade itself? I mean, I know it's a salary, it's a salary dump, so you're not going to get maximum return, but I am completely underwhelmed by the return from, from Nashville. I, even in a salary dump, I think that the return was absolute. I, I don't think it was good. Um, I don't think Subban is a real salary dump. I mean, he's, he's a pretty good player still. His cap hit of, uh, over 9 million, um, is going to free up a lot of money for Nashville now that, that that's off the books. Uh, they got, I think, two second-round picks, Santini and a prospect. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's no salary retention. Um, I think for for Nashville, this was the right, the right move. Uh, I think for New Jersey, and this might sound weird, I also think it's the right move because they have to do something to convince Taylor Hall to stay with them next year. No, I mean, and just to, you know, touch on this a little bit, New Jersey had a fantastic draft, you know, yeah. aside from Jack Hughes, they really did. They had a good draft. They've got some good, good kids in their pipeline. They got Taylor Hall, which if they re-sign him, you know, Subban, let's say he's there, he's there for the next at least three years. So um, New Jersey is going to become a team. I think, I think when it's all said and done, the use Caco thing, what New Jersey's doing, what the Rangers are doing. If you were to ask me, I think in three years or two years time, you're talking about the New Jersey uh, devil, New York Ranger rivalry being as hot as it's ever been. I mean, back to the, you know, the mid to late nineties. I think it's going to be that good. I think we're going to see, we could totally see a New Jersey, New York Eastern conference final down the road. That's 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 probably um, yeah it's it's not unlikely. Um, I I don't think the New Jersey Devils are in as good a position as the Rangers though. Oh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight on that one. I actually think they are. I actually think they are. No, nah, I mean 
the New Jersey Devils, they, they added Subban. That, that's great. You know, they still have Taylor Hall. They have Hishie. They have Hughes. Um, I just think that the Rangers, the way they are building their team, is just a better strategy. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying better or worse. I'm saying that they're they're doing a heck of a job. I, I think that they're gonna I think they're gonna build a team that that is in the playoffs and ninety plus point team down the road. You know? Um and and they're gonna add more. I mean they they've the, the New Jersey also has lots of cap flexibility too, just like the Rangers do. So they can afford to keep you know, to keep Hall. They can afford to go out and probably get another player. They can afford to re-up on, on, you know, P.K. Subban if it works out, you know? Yeah, and, and they, they actually they had so many picks yesterday uh, throughout the day. Um, I think that they traded some picks away, but I was, I was looking at the, at the screens. I was walking around, and I think it was the third round. Or, yeah, the third round where they had four picks. Um, yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane how many picks they had yesterday. It's absolutely insane. They eventually ended up, you know, I think trading up or just, I wasn't really following the trades after round three because we were just walking back and forth and meeting a lot of people. And But um, yeah, I think they in, it, eventually they picked three players in the third round, two in the fourth, two in the fifth. Um, they they added so many players and, and this is for them probably the best thing they could have done. Um, I just think that the Subban trade, even though I think it's a good one for them, uh, feels a bit rushed. It's, it feels like they're rushing their uh, their rebuild or retool or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, um, but yeah, they don't really have a choice because Taylor Hall, you know, might walk next year. And, and then what? No, I, I agree. And um, matter of fact, if you had if you were trying to assess New Jersey in terms of building their future. Number one would be obviously drafting Jack Hughes. He's, you know, that's priority one. Priority two is keeping Taylor Hall. Yep. You know, and then after that, it's how do I build my defense out? And, you know, where do I go from there? And they're doing a good job. I mean, like I said, I mean, they, you know, you've got Ty Smith, who I think is their um, number one defensive prospect. You've got PK Subban now in the fold. Um, you know, they got, they got pieces to play with, dude, plus cap flexibility. So I think they're doing a good job. But anyway, this is for another day. Uh, let's, so let's get back to some of the more Rangers stuff here. So day one unfolds. Obviously, we take Capo Caco. Um, after that, you know, obviously, we traded our 20th pick that we owned via the Kevin Hayes trade to Winnipeg. But we traded it back to Winnipeg so that we could acquire Jacob Truba. So... Mm-hmm. We don't. We only had one pick in the first round, so um, we knew that Jeff Gordon was going to try to be aggressive, try to get back in the first round, and we heard some whispers about a couple things. And we're not going to, um, you know, divulge any of our sources. But what we were told is that when Edmonton was on the clock, or right right before that, actually, is that the Rangers were talking to Edmonton about that eighth pick. Um, what the players were involved in it or what the deal looked like, obviously we don't know, but um, we heard that there was that, that, that there was a there was some discussions and it led right up until I mean, I'm not sure when Edmonton made their pick. Um, for and I think they picked Broberg, is that correct? They picked Broberg? Yes. Yeah. So I'm not sure when exactly they hung up the phone and, and ran up to the stage, but they decided to make their you know, they decided to decline the Rangers offer and then go up there and, and made their pick. Um 
But having said that, the guy on the Rangers radar, and we discussed this a couple of times, is Trevor Zegers. And what happened the very next pick at Anaheim? You know, Trevor Zegers yeah. gets picked. Yeah, and, and Zegers was, was, I feel, definitely their target. Um, but I think there, there was one pick that, um, like in 2016, you know, when, when the Rangers were really high on Clayton Keller, uh, this year again, there was a pick that that basically messed up everything. Um, Moritz Seider going sixth overall. Yeah, that that I mean that that definitely changed the draft. So because that, that pushes everyone down. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is with um, with with Seider is is not that he's not going to be a good pro- a good prospect. Uh, I don't want to say that because I actually think I actually like the kid a lot. But at at six, when there's I mean guys like. If I remember correctly, I mean, Zegris was still on the board. Cousins. Uh, Cousins was still on the board. Um, who else was still on the board? But uh, Colson, Caulfield. Colson, Caulfield. I mean, like, you go on and on. Turcott was taken at that point, though, right? Uh, Turcott went to Los Angeles, yes. Yeah, okay. So so Turcott was off the board. But after that, I mean, you know, you, Byram was gone, right? And Turcott was gone. Yeah, it was Doc at three, Byram at four, Turcotte at five, Cider at six. Right. Uh, so I mean, they had they had a lot of players they could have picked. They could have they could have picked Newhook. I mean, although that would have probably been a little bit early. They could have totally picked, you know, Trevor Zegers, like we talked about. They could have totally picked Cole Caulfield, which would have been a fine pick there. Um, yeah. Speaking of, so let's talk about a couple of um, guys and where they went. We talked a little bit um, about Cider getting going so early. Shocking that Cole Caulfield went 15th to Montreal? Um, yeah, 15. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty... Uh... Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, his size was going to hold him back a little bit. Um, and I know that he uh, was, you know, in the rankings, he was going up the well, last I mean, couple of weeks because of the under-18s. But I think that scouts don't put as much emphasis on that tournament as reporters do. But you know what, though? Boo on some of these, you know, shitty GMs. Like, you know, boo on Buffalo, boo on Edmonton, boo on um, Vancouver, boo on Philadelphia. Who passed on him twice? They traded back. Yeah. You know, they, traded, they traded back two spots with, um, with um, Arizona. Florida. No, is it? Oh, yeah, right, right. Three spots with Arizona, right? And they passed on him. Um, you know, boo on Minnesota. Like, you guys are are GMs that are thinking in 1980 still. You're not realizing like this kid has an elite shot, and you passed on him. So, I really hope I I, I hope that he goes to Montreal and becomes a 40 40 goal scorer and just and buries pucks against you know Philly and Vancouver and Edmonton and Buffalo all day long. Yeah, I mean he's he's a good prospect, and um, I think I think I think what you're saying there there's some truth to it. Some GMs still live in the '80s. They absolutely do, and that 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 kind of pisses me off because it's like you're not realizing where you're not realize you're what you're doing essentially is you're 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 passing up on skill for you know some older idea like i get it if you view if you view if you view cole caulfield just as good as you do i don't know 
um, Soderstrom or Krebs as a prospect, fine, fine. But I, I don't. I view him a little bit better, and mm. you're still passing on him. So you're in some quiet way, you're telling me that, eh, I'm not exactly sure that this 5'6 kid is going to be able to produce in the NHL. So I can't wait to watch him light the world on fire because that'll make me happy. Because I, I don't like that. I, I, I don't mind when all things are equal. You say, hey, I'd like to take the bigger kid. I get it. But when you're talking about a kid that can fucking play, like, and it's not like he's, I mean, we've talked about on the show. It's not like he's, it's not like he's Oliver Wallstrom and, 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 and you know, kind of can get a little bit forgotten in terms of can't create his own shot, maybe gets a little frustrated. Um, we're talking about somebody that is, for all intents and purposes, plays like a Matt Zuccarello in terms of aggression and, and has like a shot that's just insanely good. So I don't know. Um, I think passing on him is, I think these GMs that passed on him are idiots. I think if, I think if the Rangers had a, I think if the Rangers had a pick, I'll, for example, like I think the Rangers were picking at like if they made a trade with, I don't know, um, Arizona, for example, I think they might take him. They might have taken him if he was there. Yeah, maybe. Um, but we had a discussion before, and, and I asked you, uh, I think last week or the week before, who is going to be this year's Oliver Wallstrom? Like this, this, one, this one kid, one U.S. And NTDP kid that will fall much, much further than the rankings would suggest. And I remember you saying it's probably Caulfield. So we, it's not like it was a total surprise. No, but but the thing was is that I the, think the reason that, behind it though is is wrong, but it's not it's not a surprise that he fell to fifteen. Yeah, I, I think like when I was when you're thinking about the reason why Wallstrom fell a little bit, you know, a year later we're kind of seeing why. Um, uh, you know, the whole idea of uh, you know, he's he had a lot of trouble in, in um, he had a lot of trouble in college hockey. He um, you know, like it, it's it's not it's not to say that. Not that he can't be a good NHLer, but he's definitely having a tough time right now. So we get why maybe he slipped, you know, uh, from a few GMs. We also heard from a few GMs that his work ethic is kind of meh. So and he can, you know, so like and 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 don't get it wrong. I mean, a lot of, a lot of these GMs are very big on things like work ethic. You know, if they feel like you're a guy that's just going to rely on your God-given ability and you're just going to kind of meh through your workouts and meh through your prep. They're going to be like, well, what are you going to do when times get tough? Like, are you going to try to get to that next level of your ability? So I can understand that. But I, but what I, what pisses me off is when you're saying, oh, this guy's five six, he can't play hockey. Like, well, go fuck yourself because he totally can. And there's tons of players in the NHL that have proven this wrong. You know, you've got your, your Martin Saint uh, Saint Louis. You've got your um, Theo Fleury. Theo Fleury's right, exactly. You know, you you've got your Alex DeBrinkets this year. You know, heck, you've, I mean, look at Marshan is not a big player. He's not big, but he's got an edge to his game and he's got unbelievable skill. Like I know some people hate Marshan, but don't, but if he was a Ranger, you'd love the guy. Mm. So yeah, yeah. it just, that, that just pisses me off about some of these modern day G, I mean, these, uh, these GMs in this modern day hockey. It's like you're passing on absolute skill because you're still fucking and living in 1980. So I hope your franchise burns to the ground. So, yeah, let's anyway. uh, let, let, let's see what happens. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe they are right, and in a couple of years he doesn't make the NHL. But it's it's too early to tell. But the signs the signs were there that he would drop. Yeah. So, um, any other surprises in that first round that that stuck to you, other than you know, uh, obviously, um, 
Sider going as early as he did, Caulfield falling as much as he did. Any other uh, signs that you say, oh, okay, this is this was a little interesting, or I didn't see um, Holm- Holmstrom going into first round was a big a big surprise. Yeah. Okay. I um, I think after car after Hughes and Kako one and two, uh, the one pick that shouldn't surprise anyone is Spencer Knight to Florida at thirteen. No, and I think it's it's funny you say that. I think everybody kind of had that same opinion too. Um, I didn't think there was one, even like not even a professional, but there anyone who had an objective eye and kind of knew what would happen here with that with that kid. That that kind of wrote itself. I mean, you know, they're going to get the best goalie goalie prospect in the uh, you know in 2019, and one of the best goalie prospects that you know have come through the pipeline in a while. And they jump on it. Um, you know, I'm always weary about taking go- goalies in the first round. Uh, I, I don't like doing that uh, if I was a GM. But, you know, I, I get it, too. Um, especially when someone of, of that much ability, you know, hits the market. I understand. Mm. Yeah, and the thing is with goalies, uh, and we talked about this last year with, Lin- with the Lindbom pick. Um, the reason I would, not allow- I would not pick a goalie in the first two or three rounds is because unless they become a starting goalie, their value will never be more than a third-round pick. A backup goalie goes for it. A third round, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, may, if you're lucky, maybe a late second. So when you draft a guy in the second round, a goalie in the second round, um, uh, you're just hoping for him to become a, become a starting goalie. Otherwise, there's no, there's no profit. Yeah, I, I, would, I would tend to agree with that. And when you look at forwards or defensemen, like a second pair defenseman, you can get good value for them. A second line, like Zuccarello, is who's realistically a second line winger in the NHL. If you look at if you look at the points he puts up, if you look at how he plays on 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 a good team, on a contending team, he's a second line winger. We got a second and a third round pick with two conditions that you know could have been a first round pick. Yeah, Hayes, a second line center, returned a first round pick and a prospect. Um, a backup goalie is never going to return that. So the, 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 the value of goalies is, not, is nowhere near that of forwards or defensemen. And that's one of the reasons why I would never go uh, with a goalie that high. Yep. One of the reasons. The other reason is that goalies are basically uh, um, you know, like, like, like slot machines. You never know what's going to happen. Yep. Like, like roulette in the casino. Uh, a goalie picked in the sixth round could 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 become a, a Vezina Trophy candidate. So just pick your goalies in the late rounds. Like I would have loved for the Rangers to pick Konovalov late in the draft, but uh, this is this is the first time in uh, probably a few years that we didn't pick a goalie in the draft. Yeah, and we're 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 going to get a little bit more into that in in a second about um what we actually did pick and um. And then we'll have some people on later on in the week that mm-hmm. can go through these prospects yeah. too. So that that that's that's you know to be seen. Um, so one thing I want to say about about the the group of players we drafted this weekend, we drafted eight players in total: uh, two Americans, two Canadians, two Finns, and two Swedes. A diverse diverse group it looks like. <laughs> yes, yes. It's I was we looking... don't we don't really typically draft Canadians, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, well, we drafted uh, Robertson from the WHL, which makes sense because they beefed up their WHL scouting in recent years. Um, and the other Canadian is um, – what's his name? Help me out here. 
Um, don't know. Don't have it up on my board. Um, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna get into that in a second. Um, so, but let's just. I oh, don't go through, um, let's just, let's go through the, the first um, one. The uh, Italian, the kid with the Italian name, uh, Eric Ciccolini, Ciccolini, the seventh round pick. He's the oh other yeah, guy. I mean, like I I once once like round five came, I I was just like I I don't know anybody here. Oh. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That, that's why, like, I, I didn't even bother. I just kind of, you know, I looked over the, the positions, like, you know, defensemen, yeah. forwards, centers. Like, we, we didn't take any goalies, and I kind of recognized that. I'm like, okay, we took more defensemen than I thought we would, which we'll touch on in a second. But um, that's basically all I, all I did is, is from, you know, honestly, after the first round, like, there were some guys that were in the first round that popped into the second round that I thought I, I liked. But after that, it was like, you know, I don't know too many of these guys. So, um, and, and, and based on little, little snippets I've read, like they could be good picks. And I think they were good picks, which is why I want to have some experts on later, later on in the week or the following weeks. But let's just go back to the first round because I, I really want to hammer home some, some interesting things. Um, one thing that stood out to me about the first round is the amount of kids from the NTDP that were taken. So you've had Jack Hughes, you have Alex Turcott, you've got Trevor Zegris, you've got Boldy, you've got um, Spencer Knight, that's Cam five. York. You've got Cam York is six. Caulfield. Um, Caulfield is seven. Uh, am I missing anybody? Uh, Beecher makes eight, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, at, at, at the Bruins. So that's, that's interesting, man. You've had, like, that's got to be a record. It has to be. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's something that the, N the, you know, the NTDP really can hang their hat on. Like they've done a phenomenal job. I mean, they had eight kids taken in the first round from one team, from one team, dude. That's not a, you know, uh, that's pretty crazy. Well, it's from one national team. It's, it's not, you know, and th this is something we discussed before as well. Um, the US NTDP is a great program and it has helped. American kids develop, um, but to me, it always comes with an asterisk because you have to take into take into account that these kids play together all year, and then they go to the under 18s in in April and they play against Finland and Canada and Russia and Sweden against teams that have been together for three weeks. Oh no, I get that. It's it's just that the program has really done a heck of a job developing kids. I mean, oh no, that they have. Is, they have. Is, is the the yes. The overarching theme is how many, you know, uh, how many kids they've developed, yeah. uh, which is remarkable. They, they had a phenomenal 2019 draft. Um, and I think another thing that we got to we got to look at is um, is, is Liga's is, is how many kids are coming out of that. I mean, you know, we, obviously we have Kako. Um, Hainola came out this year. There were a couple other kids that came in the in the second round that that looked like they could be really good kids. Um, if I remember correctly, I think the Rangers also took another Finnish kid later in the draft. So, um, Alfredon is my favorite pick of this draft. I'm gonna okay. say it right. Okay, uh, that's that's totally cool, man. I um, you know more than I do about that, so I'll lean on you well, for that. For where he was picked and and the potential he has and the type of player he is, he is my favorite pick of, of for the Rangers the, this year. Of course, Kapokapo yeah. too is a no-brainer, and he's going to yeah. be the best pick in decades. But if you look at value, what you get for where you pick a player, Levy Altonen is right up there for me. Yeah, I, 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 I would tend to – I'm going to agree with you on this one because I remember, um, like, after the pick was made, I went and just, like, you know, obviously I looked up, you know, um, 
all the scouts that I do trust and looked up their stuff, and I'm like, oh, this kid's this kid's really fast. <laughs> I was like, I'll take a speedy, I'll take a speedy forward any day of the week, especially yep. one who flies like that. I'm like, yeah, sign me up because this late in the draft, sure, t- take a speedy forward and let's just throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. It worked with Haglin. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like if you get a, even if he turns out to be like a you know, a bottom six forward that yeah. is a speedster, like, and just creates some havoc and can, can kill some penalties. Yeah. That's a, that's a home run. It's a home in run. The, so, in the fifth round, that's great value. Oh, it's insane value. So yeah, I tend to agree with you there. Um, yeah. Anyways, any, a little bit more on the, on the first round, you know, it, we can wrap this up real quick. Um, it looks to me, I think the biggest winners outside of obviously New Jersey and New York are the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, they walk away with, you know, you know, they walk away with Bowen Byram and they also walk away with um, Alex Newhook. I mean, mm-hmm. the Colorado Avalanche are are killing it. They they killed it this year. They really did. Like they, they could have literally stopped after that first round and be like, we're good. We're good. Well, we actually discussed this last week. You know, maybe the Colorado Avalanche should just stop drafting after the first round. <laughs> I, I do remember you telling me that. Yes, because uh, uh, I was talking to Greg last week, and we were talking about teams that are good at drafting. And people always say that Colorado is good at drafting. But if you look at the players they draft outside of the first round, they haven't drafted a contributor since Tyson Berry in 2009, outside of the first round. In the first round, they're amazing. They got McCarr, McKinnon, Runton, Landeskog, um, and now they got Byram and Newhook, and on and on it goes. But drafting in the first round is is easy. You know, that's the easiest round to make your picks. Where you really get your value, where you really, where you really um, uh, build your team with the depth is in the later rounds. And the Colorado Avalanche just haven't been that great drafting outside of the first round. Yeah, and, 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 and I know um, th- this, there is a lot of truth to the fact that, you know, uh, after the first round that the percentages dip significantly in terms of probability of making the NHL. There's no doubt about that. Sure. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, and the more picks you have, the more chances you can, you can throw at the wall. Um, and that's actually true. So, which is why, you know, you've got teams like New Jersey this year who had a slew of like second and third and fourth round picks and they just did the the prudent thing. They said, let's just throw a bunch of darts out there and maybe we hit on on one or two. Quantity so, over quality and just just see who who sticks around after five years. Yeah, exactly. Like once you start once you I mean, the first round is the first round for a reason. The second round, you're going to find some studs that will that will slip. And we'll talk about that in a second as well. Um, but after that, you know, after the few guys who kind of slip into the second round, you're throwing a lot of darts at the wall for the most part. Um, you know, guys slip for a reason or guys are ranked as a third or fourth round pick for a reason. Um, they've got question marks to their game. Um, they're very raw. Um, so, yeah, it, it's not surprising to me that teams who draft well have a slew of picks and just throw darts against the wall. Having said that, there's some truth to what Steven is saying is that even with all your picks, like you haven't hit on one. Like that's you know what are the what, what are the odds of that? So this is this um, is this is in ten years. It's not it's not a, sh- a small sample size either. Yeah, I, I, you're right about that. So I think that's an interesting point. Is like how, you know how well are you you know how deep are you scouting? You know are you scouting your first and second round really well, and then kind of falling asleep at the wheel after that and saying can we find some value somewhere else? 
and you know find a couple of kids and maybe one of them sticks and they don't but um you know the odds are stacked against you but it is interesting that you're still not making anything stick so i'll I'll, I'll definitely say that moving forward let's talk about some guys you know that slipped to round two that 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 shocked people um you know obviously you got you know arthur kellyev bobby brink um, those two guys stood out to me and, and even, you know, Raphael Lavoie, those, those are the three picks to me that were, were first round picks. And I'm surprised they, they, they slipped to the second round. Do you agree with that? Um, yeah. And, and the fact that Kaliev and Brink were, uh, two of the first three picked in the second round, uh, shows to me at least that, you know, the teams that were on the clock really, were really happy to, um, you know, to, to go on to the, to, 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 to call it in. And to pick these players, um, yeah. and you know, yeah, some like Rafael Lavoie, the, the guy you mentioned, uh, Alex Vlasic, Jameson Reese. That there, there were a couple of guys who were uh, projected to be a first round pick. Brett Leeson, for instance, also went in the second round. Uh, the Rangers picked Matthew Robertson. Yeah, I was actually going to say round. that too. Like Matthew Robertson was on some boards a first round pick. Yeah, uh, but here's the thing, you know, once you get outside of the top ten, top fifteen. Maybe even top twenty. It's so it's so difficult to project who's going where. Uh, Niels Hoglander was also projected a first round pick. Uh, he went to Vancouver at forty. Um, so yeah, it, this 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 stuff happens every year. Uh, Akil Thomas uh, previously, you know, uh, first round first round pick in all the charts, and he ends up going in the second. Um, it happens, yep. and that's what makes the the draft so much fun to. Um, to follow because these these scouts and these GMs they don't just base their their decision on what happens on the ice. These are guys who who have met these players, they've interviewed them, they've spoken to their families, they've spoken to the to the coaching staff of their junior team or their European professional team. They know so much more about these players than we do. Yeah, I, I definitely want to reiterate that to, to people who listen to this show is that um, and I've heard this from two people that I trust uh, very, very highly, actually, is that when is that this the combine or the interview, um, a lot of these teams will ask very, um, very per- not not personal, but they'll ask them questions to get them rattled. They'll ask them questions to um, to, to, to judge character, to try to see more about the person, um, you know, little things like that. And it's not necessarily on the ice stuff. It's just, they want to see the mental makeup of, of, of a kid. And now here's the thing, and here's where it gets a little tricky, at least in my opinion. Um, it's very hard to judge the mental makeup of a 17, 18 year old and project that to a 24, a mature 23, 24 year old guy. Um, that's hard. So I think that there's maybe um, maybe we need to rethink that at some point of how we go about that. But I do understand the logic because you're trying because if you're investing so much money into someone, you want to make sure that this kid is not someone that's gonna you know is not a slacker. Now don't get it wrong. I mean like there there are guys that you know maybe are that way at seventeen eighteen. Um, and then they grow up and they mature happens all the time. I mean, when I was a 17, 18 year old kid, I was a mess, you know, <laughs> now I'm a lot more mature now. So I, I, I think sometimes it's hard to judge maturity at a 17, 18 year old level. Um, whether that's maturity on the ice, whether that's maturity, um, 
you know, in a, in a couple different ways, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think there's a lot more to that, you know? Yeah. And, um, and these, these interviews are important to, to these teams. And, and I think what the interviews are one of the reasons why Kalia fell to the second round. Um, I, I actually met him yesterday. I ran into him and I mean, the guy, he, the kid is just so uncomfortable. He's so uncomfortable talking to people. Um, he was uncomfortable posing for photos. I mean, it's almost like a serial killer vibe, man. It's, and, and um, look, nothing against the kid, but he's 18 years old. Some, some 18 year olds are just very shy or very, you know, closed or whatever. It happens, but it doesn't, that doesn't take away, that, that doesn't change anything for how these teams uh, judge them based on their interviews. So Kaliev probably dropped because of, because of the interviews. Yeah, I, I've actually heard that. I heard that the reason why Cali have dropped a lot is because of the interviews. So, yeah. um, but the the Kings might have might have gotten a super still. They might have gotten a kid that you know is a seventeen year old kid. You know, maybe has some issues with you know uh, maturity and work ethic and stuff like that. But turns out to be an absolute stud. Which I would I always I I for me personally I tend to bank on talent a lot, and the reason why is because it's very hard. I know so many people at 17 that are not the same at 22, 23 years old. Mm-hmm. It happens. I mean, it happens more time than not. So I understand why GMs do this, but I think, I think it's a, I think sometimes it can be a flawed mechanic. I think it's okay to do that when, you know, the talent is kind of meh. Cause then you, you know, I, like for me personally, I would be like, okay, I get that. But when you're talking about kids with, you know, Uber ability, I tend to be like, I'm not, not exactly sure. I mean, you know, I, I'll throw a dart at the wall because I don't know, three, four years down the road, gets in my program, gets a coach that straightens him out and, you know, get, and he matures a little bit. He could be a, a, an amazing pro NHLer down the road. Um, yeah. Yeah. And see, the thing is, LA picked him in early in the second round. They passed on him at 22 when they went with the Tobias Bjornfeldt, a defenseman from Sweden. Uh, when, when, when the Kings were on the clock in round two, they had already made two picks in the first round. It's a lot easier to justify a risky pick like Kaliev when you already have two picks in the first 30. That yes, you now, that is a very good point. You're absolutely right about that. And I, and I, and I think that that's why when Kaliev slipped to the second round, he was going to go early because these teams that know about his high upside and his, his skill level will turn around and say, okay, you know, I can, I can justify taking him in the second round now because I'm swinging for, for, for talent. Yeah. We already have the, we already have Turcotte and, and Bjornfeldt. We're going to go for it. Yep. Yeah. I, and I totally, I totally get that logic. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that wraps up, you know, the, you know, day one slash like guys who fell, you know, day two stuff. So getting to day two is kind of where um, things get really interesting for you. So tell us about your day two experience. Uh, well, I'll add something about day one quickly because it started the, at the end of the after the draft on day one. Um, we we watched the final pick, Ryan Johnson, picked by the Buffalo Sabers, and um, that's when the arena emptied out in like ten minutes. Um, so we went outside. Um, one of the guys that I was that 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 flew from Atlanta to uh, to Vancouver to attend the draft with me. I had to pick up his bag. Um, and we were going for a beer and some food. Um, <clears throat> but the street was closed off. 
between the parking lot and the arena. And um, we asked if we could cross and we couldn't cross and we asked what was going on. And they said, well, all the team staff are going to come through here to go to the bus. And once they're all through, then then you can then you can, you know, then you can cross. And I said, you know, let's just wait here and you know, see what happens. Maybe we recognize someone. Maybe we can get a picture with with JD or, you know, with John Davidson or Jeff Gordon. And uh, so we're waiting there for about 10 minutes. And that's when the Ranger staff comes out and John Davidson took his time. I mean, he could have crossed the street in 10 seconds. He was there for a good 10 minutes, taking pictures with fans, talking to them, signing autographs. I mean, he he's such a gentleman. Um, so he, he approached us and we took some photos and it was, it was all great. Uh, but the one guy I wanted to meet as a European Rangers fan, Nikolai Bobrov, the head of European scouting for the Rangers. And one by one, one by one, they all came out, Gordy Clark, Jeff Gordon, uh, Chris Drury. And finally, Nick Bobrov comes out. So I, I wave at him and I call his name and I said, do you have time for a quick picture? And he walks over and I said, listen, I just want to tell you, I'm a, I'm a Rangers fan living in Europe. And I really love what you've done the last couple of years. And I'm really thankful that, you know, for everything that's happened. And he goes, oh, yeah, uh, Stephen, we know who you are. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm standing there like, like what, what, what just happened? That, that, that's awesome, dude. I was going to ask him a couple of questions and he just caught me off guard. And I was just standing there like, um, uh, okay, um, and then took, we took a quick picture and then he walked off and I'm talking to my friends like, what just happened? And they're just looking at me like, we should have, we, we should have recorded that actually. <laughs> um, so that was, that's pretty, that, awesome. was, that was pretty crazy. Um, you know, I, I know that some of the prospects recognize me because, you know, I go to a lot of these games and I always sit behind the bench. So it's very visible. I never, I never anticipated that Rangers management actually would recognize me. And I'm, I'm still, it's, it's, it's Sunday now. This was Friday evening. I'm still surprised that this happened. Uh, but on to day two, um, because there's, there's, this, this has an even better ending at the end of day two. So on to day two, we sit there and we watch the first couple of picks and, when the first Rangers pick was announced, uh, Matt Robertson, uh, we went downstairs and we knew where the players would come out so we could maybe ask him some questions, take a quick photo. And I got to meet all the prospects, a range of prospects, except for the two uh, Swedish guys who were not in Vancouver, uh, Henriksen and Edstrom. Um, so I went downstairs and, and we just kept walking back and forth, you know, um, you, you meet a lot of people when you just keep walking um, and I saw all the Ranger prospects I, I met Elliot Friedman I met Rick Carpinello um, there's, there's so many more I, I just I forgot half of them already um, and it was just it was such a great experience and after, after you know seeing Kako on day one and all the other prospects on day two I was really happy with how everything worked out um, so the draft is over, um, and same thing. We cannot cross the street because the street is blocked because, again, management comes through. But one of the other guys, uh, James, 
who writes for uh, Forever Blue Shirts with me, who was also in Vancouver. He, he wasn't there yesterday, or, or he wasn't there on Friday when Ranger Management was there and Bobrov said, oh, yes, Stephen, we know who you are, because he was tired, he went to bed early. So we decided to go there and see if we can get him a picture with John Davidson. And um, first guy that comes out is Chris Drury, assistant GM. And um, James said, oh, can you, can you take a quick picture? So I grab his phone and, and he poses. And, and seriously, Chris Drury says, is that stat boy taking our picture? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, and then Bob Roth came out and I, I said to him what I wanted to say the day before. I walk up to him and I said, listen, I just wanted to thank you for what you said to me yesterday. And I didn't expect it. And I was a bit caught off guard. And, and he goes, listen, just keep doing what you're doing. You are representing the Rangers fan base and you should be proud of whatever you're doing. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, man, and I'm telling you this, it gives me goosebumps just, just telling you this story. It, it happened a day ago, like this weekend. Um, that's, that's awesome, dude. It's yeah, awesome. man. Oh, that's, it, it's so unreal. Um, and I, I always knew that there were, you know, that people recognize me. Like Rick Carpinello, um, I talked to him for about 10 minutes, and then I, I went to the bathroom. And I come back, and he goes, um, yeah. I didn't realize until you walked away, um, but you are Step Boy Steven. <laughs> like, okay, this is this is pretty cool that that people actually know who I am. Um, it was such a great experience, and I cannot wait to go to the draft in Vancouver next year. I'm definitely going. That that's that's pretty wild, man. Yeah, um, but yeah, all the Ranger prospects I met, uh, you know, asked them all all some questions and. I mean, they are so, so happy, first of all, that they are drafted. Um, but the Swedish kids and Levi Altonen, I think, I think they are even happier that, it, that it's the Rangers. Yeah, can you talk about the, the kids we, we drafted on day two for a minute and talk about, like, the ones you met and any questions you've asked them or and any time yeah, you spent yeah. with them? Yeah, um, so the first one uh, I saw was uh, Matthew Robertson. Um, didn't have a lot of time because they were rushing him to the, uh, to the media room, you know, to do the interviews and take the photos, uh, took a quick picture with him and then said, congratulations on getting drafted. How does it make you feel? And the you know, standard answer, like, oh, I'm very happy. So Matthew Robertson, I didn't really get much out of him. Um, Carl Henriksen wasn't in Vancouver. Um, so I didn't meet him. <coughs> um, in the third round, uh, who do you go pick in the third round? Um, this this is always the problem. I'm, I start to mix up the the, the third is and the, the fourth um, round. Oh, Zach Jones, I think, right? Oh, Zachary Jones, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zachary Jones. Um, I, I didn't know what to think of that pick when it, when it when it when it happened. I mean, do we need another defenseman? But anyway, um, so again, you know, take a quick picture and ask him how happy he was that he was drafted, and he's like, "Oh, I'm drafted by the Rangers." I cannot believe it. And, and specifically saying like the Rangers and to some of these kids, it really, it really matters a lot. You know, there's for some kids being drafted by the Rangers or an original six team compared to other teams, it, it, it matters to them. It, it made, it makes it an even better experience. Um, and then of course the, uh, the, the, the Finnish kid, Levi Altonen, um, 
he was he was like I, I cannot believe the Rangers picked me. I can and, and that he kept saying that over and over again. I cannot believe it's the Rangers. I cannot believe it's the Rangers. Um, so I, and and I think that's that's because with European players and especially Finland now with Kako and Sweden the last couple of years um, with um, you know Lundqvist we've had him for, for we drafted him 19 years ago. Uh, in, in those Nordic countries, the Rangers are probably one of the most popular teams. Oh, it makes sense. I mean, when you think about Lundqvist and you think about this, you know, all, this, all the Swedish influence on the Rangers, it makes sense. It's, you know, Nylander, Andersson, uh, Haglin, Fast, Strahlman, uh, Zibanejad, and I'm probably forgetting another 10 that have played there over the last I mean, decade. like, we'll be here forever, really, by every Swedish person that played for the, the Rangers. Yeah, it's a long list. Um yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm happy that they, you know, that that I'm happy for these kids that they were drafted and and you could see that that you know when when they when they meet their family after they go through the whole media thing, you know, it's it's such a relief for them that you know it's 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 over the wait is over, um, yeah, it's and 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 being there for that and. Getting to meet these kids when they when they just got drafted—that's just a fun experience. Yeah, yeah. So just to recap, who the what who the Rangers picked on on day two? So we have uh, Matthew Robertson. He was picked forty uh, ninth overall defenseman um, uh, from the WHL. Edmonton Oil Kings. Right. Um, then we picked uh, Carl Henriksen. He's a center, number fifty eight overall from the uh, you know from Frölunda. Uh, then we picked Zach Jones, who's a defenseman at uh, number 68 overall from the uh, USHL. Another USHL uh, kid, which is, you know, that story keeps going. He's um, going to then, college, though. I'm sorry, what? He's going to college next season. Yeah, we, yeah he's going to Boston, right? Um, Amherst, I think. UMass Amherst. Right. I, I, was thinking, I know it's a school in Boston. Which one is it? Yeah. UMass he's going to? Yeah, but there, there, there are different ones. Uh, I think it's Amherst. This, okay. I, I think it's the same school that Kill McCarr played for. Okay, okay. That's good. Um, and then after that, at 112, this is the one guy I really couldn't find anything on. Um, Hunter Skinner? I, I don't know anything about Another oh, USHL dude, Hunter Skinner? That, that guy is a mountain. Is he? he oh, man. He was, just, uh, he, he was just standing in front of the fan shop wearing his Rangers jersey, and he was just looking around. Mm-hmm. And... And I, I approached him and I said, you know, you have time for a quick picture with, with, with me and some other Ranger fans. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then we, we even took a group picture with like six or seven fans. And, and he's towering over everyone. Man. Wow. Okay. I was, I was impressed by his, uh, you know, by how, how tall he was. Uh, but another defenseman. Yeah, another defenseman. I mean, we'll like I said, we're going to get to that in a quick second. And then, um, so at number 130, the Rangers took um, – mm-hmm. Levy Alderman, we just talked about him. You know, uh, absolute speedster. That's I, yep. I, I think that's gonna be a nice pick, to be honest with you. Um, and the little bit I know of him, I think that's just a nice. It, the value there could be could be really good. Um, yeah. Then after that, we took. Um, now this is where I stopped kind of paying attention, to be honest. With you. Um, admin uh, Adam Edstrom at Ed, Adam Edstrom. Yeah. Yeah. From Don't Sweden. know much on him. Um, but but he's uh, a kid it, from the Super Elite League. Interesting thing. Um, he's he's playing for Rogle, um, which is the same team that Jakob Ragnarsson is playing for this upcoming season. Oh, okay. Well, that's so the Rangers will have two prospects in the same system. Yeah. 
Um, then the last pick at 205, the Rangers took uh, some kid from the queue. Um, you talked about him earlier, Eric um, Ciccolini. 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 Um, possibly. I mean, what, if you look at his numbers in, in, the, in the queue, they were pretty good, actually. Um, but that doesn't mean very much, to be honest with you. So um, we'll see. Um, like I said, we want to, you know, we'll get some of our, you know, regular guys on, talk about some of these guys. And um, um, One quick correction on uh, Cicciolini. He didn't play in the queue. He played in the OJHL. Oh, I thought he played in the queue for some reason. He played in the uh, Ontario Junior Hockey League, which is ah, okay. a level below major juniors. Oh, okay. Well, and that's why it's his not necessarily are... a bad thing. Uh, that's Kill... why his numbers are even are even more staggering. Then. Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Kill McCarr played in the AJHL, I think, when he was drafted. So, yeah, no, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a killer at all. It's just that okay. I mean, I... and and this late in the draft, you know, I mean, you just you just go for a kid you like and you hope for the best. Yeah. Seventh round picks are not um, are not the picks that I'm going to get upset about. No, I don't even get upset about fifth or sixth round picks. No. Like, I, I honestly, I mean, for me, it's like after the second round, maybe even third, just start throwing darts. You know, just like, you know, swing swing for the fences, literally. Yeah. You know? So maybe like, for example, like you got a kid, like we talked about, like the kid um, um, Altonen, you swing for the fences. You know, he's got, he's got some skill sets that you think could totally translate to the NHL game. Take a swing, take a swing for it. This guy Hunter Skinner, I know nothing of him, but you said he's a mountain of a guy. Maybe he figures out. Maybe maybe he can play a little hockey. We just don't know much on him, and yeah. maybe he turns out to be a player. Um, but to touch on something that I think that we 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 were shocked on, me and you, is how many defensemen the Rangers still took. The Rangers took you know Robertson, um, Jones, and Skinner. They took three defensemen in this draft on yeah. top of all the prospects they have. So. Um, I, I know you, you take value wherever you can find it, which maybe for, for the Rangers, hopefully that's what that was. But at the end of the day, the Rangers are also building an incredible pipeline of defensive prospects that not every one of them are going to play for the Rangers, guys. I mean, like we've got, you know, like what, like 20-something defensive prospects. Uh, something like that, yeah. Not um, going to play for the Rangers. The, 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 only reason this may, the only way this makes sense is if we're going to get a second AHL team as an affiliate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just too there's just too many in the system. But I was actually I was actually talking to uh, to some people yesterday about this as well. Um, you know, at some point, some of these defensive prospects are are going to reach that stage where where management sees that they are no longer uh, viable prospects. They are no longer on that track to make it to the NHL. And that's yeah, you, like and that's like when you think, cut them example, like like a Sean Day, for example. Like I think I think the next year is going to be a make or break it for him. Yeah, and 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 there there are more like like uh, Brandon Crawley. Uh, at some point, the Rangers are going to make the decision. This guy's not going to make it, and then you just replace them with some new defensive prospects. Yeah. Uh, so I understand why they picked some of them. I'm Matt Matt Robertson. I'm pretty happy with that pick, even even though he's a defenseman. Yeah. Um, I just wish they went with more forwards because we don't have, we only have three unsigned forward prospects in our system. Well, and that, and that also makes me think that what the Rangers are probably going to do um, <clears throat> moving forward here. And we talked about, I talked about a little bit prior to this podcast um, is some of the players that the Rangers might move. 
um, a Pavel Buchnevich, a Chris Kreider, a Jimmy VC, uh, you know, Nemestikov. Like, I think those are four names that are hot right now for the Rangers that they could move them. Um, and don't be surprised if they move those guys for younger forward prospects. Um, um, you know, especially if the Rangers, and I, I've heard a couple whispers that the Rangers are going to be in on Artemi Panarin. Um, I just don't know how aggressive they're going to be. Um, yeah. I think a lot of it's going to be what, what Artemi wants to do. Um, does he want to go to Florida and, you know, live in a, um, live in a state where he's right by the beach, got some beautiful weather and, you know, there's no state income tax. That's a, you know, I'll be honest. If I was a hockey player, <laughs> it sounds enticing. Um, so I can't blame the guy if he wants to just make bank and, you know, retire. I, I get it. Um, but if he decides to go to the Rangers, I think then you're going to see the Rangers be even more aggressive with Chris Kreider um, and try to find some futures for him. Um, I've also seen a couple of posts that, you know, uh, David Quinn is considering Capo Caco on the first line already. I mean, so then what's the future for, for, for Chris Kreider or Pavel Buchnevich? I don't know. So it's, it's interesting. I think we're going to see, I think that we're just touching the, the surface. Um, don't be surprised if there might be even a buyout, a, a stall, um, not a stall, um, uh, Brennan Smith. Um, I know in all likelihood, I think it's a bad idea to buy out Kevin Shattenkirk, but I mean, it's possible they do that. I don't think it's, it's, it's a prudent thing to do, but it's possible. Yeah. Uh, so there's going to be some movement guys and, and, and these guys are going to be making that next step. Um, another thing that was interesting is, uh, Tony Granado, who's the, the coach of, uh, Wisconsin was talking about Keandre Miller this week and he thinks Keandre's close to, to NHL ready. So don't be surprised if maybe he has another hot season at Wisconsin and the Rangers give him, give him his ELC and they bring him over. Um, so he's someone that's a lot closer than people think. So lots of things ha- are going to give in the next, you know, year, I think. I, I think I think we're going to start moving this old guard out of the way. The Eric Stahls, the, the Brendan Smiths, the Kevin Shattenkirks. Um, yeah, well, I'm sorry. I, Listen, guys, uh, it's early in the morning for me, and I had a lot of drinks last night. So, yes, uh, Mark Stahl, Brennan Smith, uh, and um, Kevin Shattenkirk. So um, I think we're going to see those guys kind of move away at some point in the next you know, year. Uh, yeah, and, and there's only three players left from that 2014 team that made the cup final. Regular, like regular players. I know Jesper Fast played, played a handful of games that season. But there's only Lundqvist, Kreider, and, and Mark Stahl. And that was only five years ago. The, the turnaround under Gordon, it's, it's remarkable. This, yeah. this rebuild, he, he is not holding back. He's not, you know, he's, he's going all in on this rebuild. Yeah, he definitely is. Um, he definitely is. Um, so having said that, guys, uh, I, I don't think, and from, from all the... Um, um, the pundits out there, um, you know, when they were grading the Rangers drafting, um, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of guys gave them A's across the board in terms of how they drafted. Um, we're going to dive deeper with guys like uh, like Drew and Steve and a couple other guys maybe we'll bring on the show to kind of go through this more in depth and really look at these players with a, with a microscope and what they could p- potentially be and how good was the value at that particular spot. But um, if a lot of the pundits are giving them A's and it looks like they didn't, it looks like they, 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 they didn't 
do anything outrageous at any of these picks and look like they got some value there. And obviously you've got Kako in, in, you know, in the fold. Um, it's a good day to be a Ranger. It really is a good day to be a Ranger fan. Like the, 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 the rebuild is heading in the right direction. It, it's been hitting the right direction for a while now, but we're, we're really chugging along. I, I think that we're starting to see what the finish line is going to you know, look like in terms of the rebuild and you know, when we start to compete again. Yeah. Uh, I I just yeah I agree that it's 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 an exciting was the most exciting the the, the most exciting moment um uh, for me as a Rangers fan in twenty five years. Yeah, I've said that on 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 Twitter actually. Is this the most excited I've been as a Ranger fan in, in since nineteen ninety four? And I got some flack from some people, and they were like, "Really, like the two thousand fourteen run or whatever?" Yeah, that was amazing. But this is something that the Rangers have never had. I've never had a, a pick this high. I've never had a, a rebuild. We've never rebuilt before. And we've never picked this high before. So, yeah, the 2014 one was, let's be honest, it, it was all on Henrik Lundqvist's shoulders for the reason why we were even there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's very hard to, to ride one player all the way to a cup. So um, as much as I wanted it to happen, I knew that it, it might not happen. This feels so much more like we're, we know what we're doing and we're doing it. And that's why I'm excited. So, um, so yeah. So we're going to go into, like I said, moving forward this week and the following weeks, we're going to talk about these kids a lot more. But um, the offseason is just getting started, guys. You know, Artemi Panarin talks are going to get hot. Um, you know, you, I'm sure we're going to hear some other whispers of players. We'll see what happens with Pavel Buchnevich, whether he gets a bridge deal, whether he gets traded. Um, VC to Buffalo, I still think is a thing that could, could possibly happen or VC to another team. So Gordon's going to have a busy summer guys. Um, whether that's buyouts, trades, um, free agency. Now that he, now that the draft is done, teams are going to start assessing things. And one thing I do want to touch on before we leave is I think the reason why a lot of activity didn't get done on day one and maybe even day two, because we only saw two trades. We saw the PK Subban and the JT Miller trade, which I'm not even going to go into the JT Miller trade because it's to another team that's not in my division, so I don't really care. But um, I think the cap at, at having such an uncertainty number is really holding a lot of teams from doing things. I think that they're just not sure. So, um, unfortunately, I think that's the reason why some things are getting held up. I think when the cap gets situated, we're going to see um, much more activity in terms of trades, guys. Yeah, and um, I think later today, um, the window opens where teams can start talking to pending UFAs. So, yeah. that, that, should, that should probably change, change a lot as well. Yeah, a little bit of like a wine and dine type thing they can't they can't make a formal offer but they can talk to them yeah yeah yep. um so we're we're one week away from um from free agency um we just had the draft which was the best draft in in probably the most the most anticipated draft for ranger fans in i think 50 years um yeah, i mean they they had a draft party at madison square garden i've seen videos it was it was pretty wild it was uh, there's a lot of people there um, yeah, the, the way the way the fans reacted, you would think we won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, so uh, that just shows you everything you need to know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, a lot of people went to Madison Square Garden for that. Um, they really went all out. They put a lot of t- time and effort into it. 
they made it a great event for the fans and it's just another sign to me that the Rangers are actually embracing not only the rebuild, but also their fan base for once. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that one. Um, okay, so before we leave, gut feeling, is Artemi Panarin a New York Ranger or is he a Florida Panther or is he something else? Um, I think he's going to a team other than the Rangers or the Panthers. Really? Okay, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, do the Rangers sign any... Any free agents? This, uh, in terms of not on their team. You mean, yeah, but of course they'll sign free agents. But do you mean like big, like big targets? I, right. I mean, let me reiterate that. I mean, big, big marquee free agents. Meaning I think any, 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 any of the top like fifteen, twenty free agents on the market. I think looking at what the team needs at the moment, for me, the most likely candidate would be Duchesne. Yeah, but I'd have a hard time giving Duchesne more money. Right. I know, but we only have one one center on the team, basically. Because Hedl is not going to be, be the second-line center. Yeah, Howden, sure. Howden is a bottom-six player. Elias is, is not there yet. Who's going to center the second line? Strom? Nemesnikov? They need yeah, it, 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 it is an issue. Um... Yeah, I mean, Duchesne actually, he might make, I just don't know what he's, I think, I, I just think the money's going to be so outrageous that I don't know if I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, 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 maybe there's a surprise where they, where they sign Joe Pavelski for two, three years. You know, to, I'll be honest, I could probably get behind a veteran center um, for like two years than I could giving six years to Matt Duchesne. Yeah. Yeah. That's just me. That's just, but I mean, I, I, yeah, but I think center is is much higher on their list of priorities. It it might be. It might, maybe that's where a trade comes down. Because if if Kreider isn't moved, uh, that gives you Kreider, Bucinevich, Kako, and Kraftsov in your top six on the wing. Yeah, and you still need another center. So yeah, you're right. You're you're right about that. Unless unless you think that Heedle or Howden are going to make a jump to a second line center, which I'm not sure about that right now. Not this season. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um. So thanks for listening, guys. Um. So like I said, awesome episode today. Um. It's pretty awesome to have Steve actually there on the draft floor. Um. Meeting all these different people, meeting players, meeting some media people, meeting some of the Ranger brass. Awesome stuff, guys. Uh, we'll get to you next week, and we're going to have some awesome guests lined up next week. Yeah, and uh, one more thing before we go. Um, I just want to give a quick shout-out to James, um, one of the guys that was here with me in Vancouver the, uh, this weekend. Uh, um, so um, just look him up on Twitter and give him a follow. It's at JVCX7. Yeah, guys, give him a follow, uh, just, like, just like Steve said. All right. Take care, guys.